you are ever traveling in a foreign country, and uh, many of you have, you've traveled in another country, if you ever find yourself in legal trouble or some kind of social trouble, you realize the local police is after you, go to the U.S. Embassy. That's your move. <laughs> if you're in another country, get to the embassy. If you can get there, you'll be safe. There's a principle there. It's called extraterritoriality. Extraterritoriality it means that an embassy is like a little piece of our country in that country. That little piece, though it's in that other country, is under our laws. And so once you're in that building, behind those gates, you become subject to our laws. So you can think about that particularly, the U.S. Embassy in China. It's like a tiny outpost of the United States in China. And the ambassador there is a representative of our government. And the ambassador stands on behalf of our nation, speaks on behalf of our nation. And the ambassador has to speak in accordance with our government, with our laws. And the embassy is supposed to be like America. The, the culture of the place is supposed to communicate. That may not be great. <laughs> it cuts both ways, doesn't it? So in other words, the embassy and the ambassador are supposed to be communicating our country. They're supposed to be uh, expressing the values, the commitments, the laws, and the culture of the home. And all that's represented through the embassy. Well, this idea, this is an old idea. Uh, and we find it. We find Paul urging the Corinthians to understand this idea in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. That's where we are. We're marching through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are uh, at verses 12 through 21. Just to glance back, as seen in the first 10 verses of the chapter, the kingdom of Christ brings a different life. The kingdom of Christ brings a different kind of life, a different quality of life, different values, a different vision, and it's what Christ has given to his followers. It's a different kingdom. And today we're continuing this thread in verses 12 to 21 because this different kind of life, this different kingdom, comes with a special commission and it comes with a message. And it's ours. It's our commission and our message. This, this passage that we're looking at, it's, it's dear to my heart. Let them go. Is that an ambulance? Lord, we ask you care for whomever needs that ambulance. Look after their life. This passage we're looking at, 12 to 21, uh, is meaningful for me. It's also, you might not know this, it's meaningful uh, for us as a body, not just because of what it says, but it is part of our DNA as a congregation. Uh, in 2011, at the very first gathering of what was then the Nampa Mission, it was a group gathering of college students First time we met at the Presbyterian Church on Lake Lowell, this was the message that I preached from. 
Uh, and my, my thought there was to establish a sense of our being an outpost of the heavenly kingdom. There's a little group of college students. We are part of the kingdom. My fondest hope would these, these students would begin to think about themselves in a different way. They'd think about Christianity differently than they'd ever had before. I had hoped they would realize there's no higher calling, there's no better adventure because well, this was 2011 and that, that age of college students, they just wanted a life to be an endless adventure. Well, it is, and I hope that they would see that. I hoped that they would see serving Jesus, the king above all kings, belongs wherever they are in whatever sphere of life. So I chose that passage. Then three years later, when Christ the Redeemer met for its very first Sunday morning, I came back to this passage. I wanted to stress the heritage that we have uh, as a, a mission plant from the Church of Rwanda, where the Ministry of Reconciliation is, has been crucial. I wanted to communicate that, that that's our heritage and that we were drawing wisdom and strength from Biumba Diocese, where our primary friendship was. What we had learned about reconciliation and how crucial the Ministry of Reconciliation is for people to live together. If we're not reconciled, we can't live together. My hope in 2014 was that the, this gospel, the good news of God's reconciling love, would be the heartbeat of this people. Our fellowship as it went on. So this passage has been part of our DNA in one way or another. Only God knows whether it's actually really part of us and how well we've lived it out. God knows. That has been many years now. That's almost nine years ago. But I share as earnestly as ever Paul's desire communicated here that we Christians would know who we are and what we've been given to share. We can't we can't go beyond that message. That's why you can just keep coming back to this message. You can't go beyond it as Christians. You can only go deeper with it. That's what I was saying to the kids. Well, in the first four verses, that's uh, 11 to 14, please look. Paul returns to uh, an underlying theme he follows whenever he's talking to the Corinthians, which is imitate me as I imitate Christ. And he's saying... We know who we are, we, Paul and his companions, and we trust that you can see that. We trust that it's evident who we are. Now, you guys live the same way that you see us living. And then he says in verse 12, we're, we're not trying to boast. We're not saying this from a position of pride, but we're showing you the way to weigh and measure things. As you see us doing, do. And that is not by outward things, not by outward appearances, not by polish, not by appearance, not by rhetoric, but by things of the heart and what comes out of the heart. Paul, you, you see, Paul is not interested in the opinions of man. He's not interested in how congregations 
whether they think he's cool or not, or whether they think he's impressive, because his eyes and his thoughts and his passions and his affections, all of his loves are on what lasts. And human opinions shift and change day to day. And now the judgment mentioned in verse 10, it's real, God's judgment. It's real and it's certain. So it is foolish to waste time on shallow stuff like outward appearances. It's just, it is a waste. Because we fear God, he says in verse 11. Because there's a judgment, because we fear God, because our eyes are to God and what lasts, we try to persuade everyone of the knowledge of the truth. And so we turn from worldly stuff and turning from worldly motivations. Verse 14, it's the love of Christ that controls us. There's lots of things that could motivate us if we were trying to satisfy our flesh and trying to please other people. We turn from that. It's the love of Christ that controls us. The reason that we act as we do is because we love Christ Jesus and it's His love in us that compels us and motivates us. That is, we cooperate with Him as He loves, as God loves people. We just join with Him as He's loving. So yes, it's love for Christ, but it's also just cooperating with the love that Christ has. That's a long way of saying, stop thinking like a shallow person. Let your roots go deeper. Here's the ultimate thing that matters, he's saying. And what matters is, verse 14 and following, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, might no longer live in the shallows, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So from now on, therefore, we regard no one in that shallow fleshly way, even though we once regarded Christ that way, according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old thing has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. and Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting, not reckoning, not imputing, not numbering their trespasses. This is our national identity as Christians. Christ died for all. So that is, he came to the condemned. He came to that group, that part of humanity that stood opposed to God, stood hostile to him, under his wrath. And he came among those who were cut off because of unrighteousness, sin. So what you could picture there, who, who are those? The whole crowd of humanity. There's not one, if, if that's over here, the, there's not one that's over here. There's not one that is righteous. We're told again and again, and we know it. All stood condemned. 
And that's who he came to. And so verse 21, for our sake, the crowd's sake, he became sin who knew no sin. He became one of the sinful. He came among us. The holy and righteous one. He came to the sinful. And then he died on behalf of the sinful. And so all those sinful people have had a death offered for them. The whole crowd has had a death. Because one died, all have died. He stood for us. All have had a death. And that offer was that those who would come to him, that those who would accept that death, who would let it stand for them, could follow him in his train, could follow him in the train to life. From here, from the condemned to the place of life. His death for ours. And so again, verse 21, because of his substitution for us, in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Him, standing in Him, under Him, under the shadow of His wings, we may become the righteousness of God. We may receive it and move from the place of condemnation to the place of life. So He came to be condemned so that He could bring us into a reconciled, restored relationship with God whom we had turned from. There's more. The gospel goes deeper. Not only did he send our sins away and restore us to friendship with God, well, that would have been something. That, that would have been enough that he had dealt with the sin. We stood as friends again. But he's given something new. His spirit in us means we're in Christ. We're part of him so that each believer is a new creation. Been reborn. Verse 17, the old has passed away, has died. The new has come, has been reborn. And so like newborns growing into toddlers, we're learning to walk in newness of life. We're learning to walk by faith, as above in verse 7. Not by sight. We're learning to walk by faith. Walk in this newness of life. And we are really bad at it. Newborns cannot walk. We're toddlers. We fall on our faces. We bang our heads against obstacles. And then we look at God like it's His fault. We run ourselves full speed into a wall and we look at the Father and what have you done? Why did you do this? Whenever this is it's funny, right? We see this. I see a little one. No offense, little ones. But what it's funny when we see they start crying because something didn't go well. They tried to stand up and they fall on the bum. Or a cookie was denied them. I want that cookie. When I see that, I see myself. That's me. Think it didn't go well. And, I'm and it's your fault. We're new at this. We're new. 
I don't care if you're 70 or 80. You're still new at this. We're learning to walk by faith. We have thousands of years of selfish patterning in our flesh. And that is set against us living by the Spirit. But he is really patient. He's really patient. Paul admits his own background of fleshly thinking. He says he used to think about Messiah, Christ, in a fleshly way. He used to think about Christ, that he would be king of an earthly nation. He used to think that you know, the Jews would, would finally come into their own. They'd have wealth and power and position again because of Christ. He'd bring well-being to the Jews. I used to think that way, he says, but he knows better now. Followers of Christ need to think about Christ and think about each other in ways that accord with being new creations, not in that shallow way, that fleshly way. We need to let our thinking be adjusted so that it fits who we are, it fits the new life, the new creation. And that means recognizing both our tremendous standing, the lavish grace of God, but also our humble ignorance. Tremendous standing, but pretty great stupidity in it. In Christ, we have everything. We're the inheritors of the heavens. We're the inheritors of the new earth. But right now, we're toddlers in our understanding. And what is going to help us grow in love, what will help us grow in power and grace is to continue realizing how much in need of grace we are. How much we need the kindness and the mercy of God. We need to keep the gospel in mind that it's through Christ we've been reconciled to God. That it's in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting our trespasses against us. That he made him to be sin who knew no sin. We didn't overcome our sinfulness. We didn't do it. It's, it's funny, we get kind of along the road in our Christian walk and we, we begin to be a little steadier on our feet and, and we kind of think that we did it. I overcame my sin and look at me now. That's nobody here. He made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He did all this. All this is from God, he says, because we couldn't do it for ourselves. The more that the gospel of this, our kingdom, shapes our thinking, the more we'll live with our commission. We'll live it. The ministry of reconciliation. They're closely intertwined, this connection between faith and action. They're so closely intertwined that it's signaled in word after word in this passage. In the space of 10 verses, Paul uses a linking word. There, there are three versions of a linking word. For, therefore, wherefore. You can see it there. It's translated variously. Nine times. In the space of 10 verses. He's pulling together, linking faith with the commission. Faith with action. 
Real faith leads to real action. As he concludes in chapter 6, verse 1, we appeal to you, therefore, not to receive the grace of God in vain. Grace poured out on you. If it doesn't issue out, it's in vain. It's supposed to change us. So if we're clear on the gospel, let's be clear on what flows out of a life in transformation. Notice that I didn't say out of a life that has been totally transformed. We are in a life of transformation. So as we toddle along, learning to walk in faith, what does it look like to be walking more steadily? Well, first, like Paul to begin walking more steadily means we regard or we consider no one according to the flesh. We leave that shallow way. So as we sit here in the heat, the blessed heat, we, we were in Arizona, it was 119. This is blessed heat. We sit here it seems kind of impossible not to be reduced to fleshly thinking. Discomfort, it just causes us to, to be fleshly, think fleshly. The body demands attention. Our discomfort demands it be attended to. And yet, we are not a normal group of people. This is not a normal gathering. If we could see ourselves in the spiritual realm, if we could see past this, this, the shallows, we would see a group of people clothed in the shining robes of God's glory, washed, clothed in the righteousness of God. We'd see a people shining with holiness. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. We are souls that are burning with the brightness of redeeming love. Something we didn't have before is there now. And this group of people, if we could just see it, would we dare think about each other the way that we just typically think? You're sitting next to somebody who's eternal, whose glory is reverberating, it's reflecting the holiness of God. He set his love on us. You're sitting among the favored of God Almighty. If we would like to see other Christians as God sees them, ask him. Ask him for that. I have to do it all the time. But what most stands in the way of that holy sight, what, what trips us up, what hinders us from that kind of seeing and living, is our pride. It's just that. It's not complicated. Instead of accepting God's view of ourselves and others, God's view which acknowledges our desperate need, we like to keep ourselves at the center of the world. That's the default human position. I'm the center of the world. And we look out from our sense of rightness we judge our spouse, we judge our children, our neighbors, our friends by our sense of rightness 
and the justification, our, that sense that, but I know I'm right. When we take that position, that posture, we've lost our humility. We've lost the sense of desperate need. That's the truth. And so everyone else becomes distorted in our, in our eyes. Everyone else falls short of our expectation. And you cannot see others as new creations that way. If you're stubbornly looking out from a position of pride. A new creation. The posture of the redeemed person is to be from a position of smallness. Humility. When we look from there, when we take God's posture, that position He has for us of humility, then we can see. Then we can see. We can see ourselves. We can see the mercy of God. We can see the mercy of God applied there. Second, learning to walk in faith. Toddler. That's how a toddler actually sees. That's, that's the childlikeness that we're supposed to have. Learning to walk in faith, it leads us to our commission as ministers of reconciliation. Verse 18. This is the ministry, this is the service God has given us. Having reconciled us to Him, God has committed to us the word or the message of reconciliation. What this looks like. This is good news too. Is that our toddling in faith, our stumbling and our rising, our falling flat on our face and our getting up again, our looking to God when we fall, our willingness to just keep going, just keep going, falling and rising and falling and rising and going, that provides a visible word to the world. We are a visible picture. We express the gospel. Not to mention a reminder to each other that we need God's grace. Paul compares this life, we're finishing here, to the work of an ambassador. Verse 20. As though God were pleading through us, communicating through us, Making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Our falling and our rising implores, it begs, it speaks out. Be reconciled to God. You too will learn to walk. This isn't just evangelism to people who are set against God. This message. An ambassador of Christ. We're coming full circle. An ambassador. On embassy. From the home country. The heavenlies. With our heavenly king. Ambassadors. Speak what Jesus speaks. Ambassadors speak on behalf of the king. And the king is always saying. Be. Live. Reconciled to God. Live it. Be reconciled. Because I became sin for you. 
Your sin's removed. Live that. That old self is dead. All things are new for you. The king is always saying, you have the righteousness of God. I've set it on you. And right now, you live in the earthly tent of your body, but you have an eternal home in the heavens. So don't dwell, this is part of the message here, don't dwell on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen, that are kept for you in the heavenlies. This is living in grace. This is being in grace. So when I offend you and fail you, which I will do, which I have done and will do again, remember, I'm learning to walk. I'm just learning. And when you offend and you fail me, I have to remember we were in prison together. We did time together. And the same guy came and he took us by the hand and led us out of the prison together. I ought to have grace for you. We're learning to walk together. And so our willingness to stumble and fall and rise up together to forgive and to believe and to hope the best, that speaks the message of reconciliation. That's how it works as a body. We can do it individually, but that's how it works together. Living in grace, it shows the heart of the king. And it presents in a visible way the ways of the heavenly kingdom. And that's the work of our embassy. In this place, it's hostile to God, serves other gods. We're an embassy. We show the ways of our kingdom. We speak them. We have to keep coming back to the gospel. That's why we sing the gospel. We speak it in the creed. It's a visible gospel here at the table. We rehearse it here as we read the scriptures and explore them. We have to keep coming back to it. It's what makes our limbs firm, able to walk. Lord, would you... Help us, help us. There's that something in us that does not want to admit we need you for every step. Lord, would you give us grace, grace to see as you see, to think as you think. In Jesus' name.